This is the Epilog Audio Experience. Hello and welcome to this very special episode of The Story Vault with K. Hari Kumar, powered by Epilog Media. Today is October 31st, Halloween. And it had to be a horror special episode. I have with me a very young and passionate horror filmmaker from the UK who has recently released his first film on Netflix. The film is called Flashback and the filmmaker, Jed Shepherd. Welcome to the Story Vault, Jed, and I'm really happy that you took out time for this particular episode. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Yeah. Welcome I'm to my show. Happy to be here and thank you for, yeah. for watching Flashback. But today let's talk about Halloween special <laughs> yeah. Flashback. It's funny, like I don't think of yeah. it as a Halloween special. I know I know Netflix put it out near Halloween uh-huh. as part of their Halloween um you know, uh, October Halloween kind of um set of films, but um in my mind this is a little bit less horror than I, I, I usually do. Usually I'm more overtly horror this is this is this is this is a love story to me to me, to me this is a love story um and i think it's a more universal story than than people may be used to from me as well um and hopefully you know because it's on netflix worldwide it gets seen by a wider audience than just the horror audience um yeah because essentially it's about love uh but when you watch that film you realize it's not really a it's not exactly the yeah. kind of horror movie that you would expect. It's rather, yes. it's got a philosophical message. What if you, you know, because we all go after two, two things in life, and that is what happens after death. And the second thing is, do we get a second chance? And this particular film, even though very short in length, explores these two questions very, very beautifully. So I think for me, like we when we spoke about it yesterday, uh, it's more about existence. Mm-hmm. It's an existential yes. horror, if you can call it that way. So, how did you approach? Uh, you know, uh, but despite uh, despite of uh, you know of this being an existential horror, it still had that classical horror trope. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about uh, Doctor Bones. You know, s- somehow it uh, this Doctor yeah. Bones appears like a Grim Reaper, uh, you know, with that plague mask or whatever the, uh, that you you'd call it. Yeah, uh, it's it's a classic trope, right? Uh, and we've been seeing these images even in India. Yum we've dudes. got Yamdoot. Oh, that's the Indian Doctor Bones. Concept. Cool. I'm going to remember yeah. that. <laughs> and when when you say Grim Reaper, the first image that comes to my mind is the one from yeah. Frighteners. Yeah. I don't know why. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So, where well, you 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 use uh, was the Grim Reaper the inspiration behind uh, Doctor Bones and uh, uh, you know it's a well known horror trope. How did you approach reimagining this classic element to add a fresh and intriguing dimension to the narrative? Because Doctor Bones mm-hmm. is not just a Grim Reaper; it also is related yes. with the so protagonist. How I started with that is um, I like the idea of lost media and. Um, stuff that we're nostalgic for as an adult that, you know, maybe not a lot of people watch. So I just had this idea that there was a TV show back in the 80s or 90s and it was it was full of these weird characters that somehow became popular. So in my mind, I imagined that there was a TV show, not called Dr. Bones, but called Wake Up Way, 
wake up way from the early 80s and it was kind of like a TV show with all these weird characters interacting with each other. But then Dr. Bones got very popular and got his own show called coach called dr bones so in so in my mind dr bones he is essentially the barney the dinosaur in this universe you know barney the dinosaur he has all kids around him he gives life lessons every episode and i just imagined what if there was this really weird scary character that kids seem to love but is very ominous and and strange and then i and then i wondered what if the lead character kept seeing this dr bones what would it mean what, what would it mean um and then um you know the the 826 on 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 his on his clock that that's the time she actually dies so you know it is a it's a nod to the time she dies and the fact that this death is around us at all times and we're constantly reminded of death um and you know the, the look of it. It's because um, I'm friends with this guy called Trevor Henderson, who he's a he's a creature designer, and he designs Siren Head and Cartoon Cats, these big viral monsters. And uh, and yeah, he designed Doctor Bones for me. And um, yeah, and the name Doctor Bones just came from myself and my friend Blair. We were thinking up cool names for this creature, and then she just said Doctor Bones. I'm like. That sounds perfect, Doctor Bones. I don't know why he's a doctor, but you know, maybe he did well in school. But um, yeah, so <laughs> Doctor Bones was born, and and it's purposely left quite ambiguous in the story because you know it's something I want to explore in, in a feature length version um, of, of this. Um, just why she's so entangled with Doctor Bones, and there is, there is reasons for it. Usually, when it's a horror film, uh, you know, us writers we tend to use certain numbers like thirteen. Triple six, the number of the beast, you know, why eight twenty six? And because they're, they're because you have uh, seeded this number even in that scene where she is uh, unlocking her door. Yes, that's good, a combination good, good. to her. Very uh, good. You notice that? Yeah, yeah. Is um, there an intention behind that? Eight twenty six. Yeah, it's just it's just a state that death is around us always. So, and that number kind of represents death, and for her, and it's also been a number that's been with her throughout her whole life. In the backstory, which you don't see in the short, which again I'm going to explore in in a feature version, that's the time her mum died as well. Her her mum died at eight twenty six. There's eight yeah eight twenty six has been following her around. Um, but you know th- those numbers, I just wanted. A number that hasn't been used before in like in a horror movie, one that's very unique, um, and I like I like uh, even numbers as well. So eight twenty six just feels right, um, and it also has has to look good from a distance as well. So and eight twenty six just looks good from a from a distance and um, in a digital format. So yeah, it, it it kind of just worked out really well. And yes, the time she dies, the time her mum died. Her, it's very important to her. So when you see Dr. Bones in, in the laser quest, um, it's just a reminder that like she's almost close to death. And if she doesn't convince Scott um, to stay away from her, then she will die. So there are no conspiracy theories behind A26. It's just a personal preference for that number. I I will leave that up to other people to, to think about. <laughs> maybe there is, maybe there isn't. 
<laughs> okay, but you had no intention like that, right? Well, what I will say is when you see other things that I have made and other things I am making, you might see that number pop up some okay. more. Anyway, another uh, important uh, art uh, or uh, element of your film, of your short film was the transitions. The transitioning yes. between scenes is a crucial aspect of storytelling. Mm -hmm. uh, and in flashback particularly, you employed non-linear cuts to seamlessly navigate uh, through yeah. the protagonist's life. You know, at, at the yes. time, right at the moment, right before her death. Mm -hmm. She goes to her 13th birthday and she comes back and life has changed completely. So can, yeah. could you just shed some light, you know, on the significance of these transitions and how they contribute mm -hmm. to the overall narrative, especially considering the limited duration of the film? Because it's not a feature-length yeah. film, so you've no. got a very limit, limited duration. This yeah. is for our aspiring screenwriters who would like to explore non-linear narratives for them. Yeah. So, so you know, the, the premise of the whole thing is when you die, you see your life flash before your eyes. And in this story, Jess can, because she is a yoga teacher, she can, she can control her breathing and she slows down that flashback after she dies and she can relive it again momentarily to try and prevent future events from happening so she goes back to when she's 13 to try and convince firstly her dad and then her boyfriend her future boyfriend to stay away from her and if her boyfriend stays away from her maybe she won't she and him won't die so in order to manifest that on screen i had to think okay what will it look like when you die and in my mind that flashback is a like a roulette wheel it spins around and you never know what you're going to see where, where the where the ball's going to stop. So I knew I wanted it to spin. And then I just worked with my with my DP and and worked out visually what would look really, really cool. Initially, it was it was just going to be her like flying backwards through all of these times. Um, but then when we landed on spinning, it, fe it just felt right. Because like, you know, she goes clockwise as well, like like the like the hands of a clock. Um, and that so it represents time and time's such a big thing with this. So uh, I knew she had to go clockwise in, in a circle on your screen. And it was just how to how to do that. And, you know, it's so slick how, how it ended up. It's so, so slick. And, and that's what happens when, when Netflix is involved. You can kind of up your game a little bit and do really good VFX like that. Because, you know, the, the VFX for that sequence, it wouldn't look out of place in like a Marvel movie or, you know, high-end TV because it's, you know, so, so slick. And we did it for real as well. Like we 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 made Gemma fall down um, to her side, left and right, Absolutely. in these locations. And um, yeah, it's uh, it just turned out really well. And you never know when you film it; you never know how it's going to turn out in in post. So even after we we filmed all that stuff, I was like, oh my god, I don't know if this is going to work. I've I've absolutely no idea. And then, you know, in the edit and then when the VFX started coming through, it was like, oh my God, it works so well. It, and it's the, it's the thing that Netflix highlighted when they put out the little teaser as well, the, the, the transitions in, in, that, in that sequence. Um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really proud of that. It, it turned out really well. And then the, the morphing, um, which is at the kind of birthday table with a cake, the morphing is really slick as well from like, like 10, 11, 12, 13. So, Yeah. So I think we spoke about Netflix. So uh, 
So was this a commission project or was this like you made it and then it was acquired? Because I'm assuming it's a commission project because it's a Netflix original, right? Yes, it's, it's a Netflix original. So, um, so once a year, so every year, Netflix go out and try and find what they call the their emerging filmmaker of the year. Um, so I'm Netflix's emerging filmmaker, 2023, I guess. And yeah, so they came to me last year and said, it was actually like a six month interview process. It took, it took a long time for them to choose me. Um, but you know, I'd sent them some ideas and then, and, and flashback was the one they gelled with the most. It's the most commercial. It is, it, it reaches the biggest kind of demographic, I guess. And, um, they, yeah, they were obsessed with it. And then we had to work out through different revisions of the story, the, the best version for Netflix. My original version was a lot darker, a lot darker, more like a horror movie. In fact, the original mm. version. Um, and then we made it a little bit more like stranger things, um, with all, uh, now, which, which I, which I love. Um, so yeah, they, they were involved from the very start. They were there every day on set as well. They had their own monitors and they, they were lovely. I know some people don't, think like netflix or think they're the big bad wolf but to me specifically netflix have been really 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 good really good so i've got absolutely no complaints with with netflix and i hope i work with them again lots and 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 i'm sure i will Uh, i'm sure you will and we'll pray for that as well and uh, (laughs) how uh how do you deal with because you know uh uh, sometimes you get feedbacks, right? Especially when in the initial stages, when you're when you're just putting things on paper, mm-hmm. okay. When you don't have anything to show visually, you're just writing, and uh, you you know how many back and forth happens. How many back and forth happened for uh, for the screenplay or flashback? I just wanted to know that. I would say maybe over twenty, uh, the, uh, over twenty revisions, maybe even thirty. Um, okay. It was, yeah, the, my first version is almost nothing like the final version that, that came out because my first version was, uh, you know, I, I'd set it up to be a feature. So my the first version was kind of written a little bit more like a feature, um, whereas by the end, it, it's, you know, it suits a short more. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of revisions because, you know, it's a Netflix original. It's not something I'm just doing myself and I could do anything I want. Um, they definitely helped me uh, push it in a direction that's more Netflix friendly and audience friendly as well. They know their yes. audience. So yeah, they do exactly. And to be honest, I think twenty. The listeners should know how many uh, revisions actually happen to a screenplay, even before it's you know. Uh, yeah, and this is the made. thing. This is how you can. This is how you become. I would say a good writer. It's yeah. at the start you're you're raw and you think everything you write is amazing. Um, but then as you get older and as you get more experienced, you realize yep. you don't know everything. Other people no. know information that you don't know. So you have to listen. You have to be open to listening and open to notes and open to revisions because if you're not, you won't get anything made, especially Absolutely. with a big company like Netflix. Like sometimes you just have to be like, okay, they know what they want. They're paying for this. So they should get what they want. Um, and yeah. And also as much as you want to put everything that you've thought of into something, that's not the right thing. It might, it might mess it up. And like you say, they know their audience as well. So, you know, 
they, they know exactly what their audience likes and and that's what we put into flashback to hit those beats yeah i absolutely agree with you because we have that here in india as well but obviously we don't go for 20 revisions to be honest i was a little surprised that you got 20 revisions at least yeah so we go for oh, like yeah. uh, five to ten revisions and that's like oh my god can we just stop it now but yeah uh, there were times but, when yeah. i said that as well i was like uh, is this even going to happen now um but you know it was worth it because by the final version they were right it, it ended up being something that i think is pretty special and the, the heart of it as well and with the other stuff that i've done that there is some heart but there isn't the kind of the emotional heft and the the kind of emotional pull that flashback has like i've had people calling me crying their eyes out after watching it and i'm just like i've no, never had that with with a film before so um yeah i'm really glad that i i know how to do that now <laughs> it's, okay yeah. that's how you i can do scares i can do set, horror set pieces but doing something to to elicit tears is, is something new so you know now i think i figured out the formula for that now so that's i can maybe combine the two in a very emotional horror movie yeah so imagine having at least four or five jump scares with this so yeah, yeah you've got a perfect package exactly <laughs> yeah we didn't have any jump scares here to be honest we didn't have no ju- no jump scares and actually initially there was going to be one mm-hmm. um but again, I, I wanted this to be more like a, a, a universal kind of film and, and not just for horror fans. Yeah. Um, and for even kids when as it well. comes to the Yeah, even when it comes to the color and uh, the color palette and the the entire film was bright. Yes. Mm-hmm. Even the uh, scene where the, the bedroom scene right before they die, it's mm-hmm. not dark. Usually Netflix films have this very dark lighting. Yeah. Here this wasn't dark. Well, the, co- the colors, I, I'm so, so specific with colors. You'll, you'll notice um, at the start of the film, Jess is, you know, her clothes are quite busy in terms of colors. Her room is quite busy. But by the end, she's wearing all white. Her bedroom is clean and white. And, um, and, the, and the progression of, like, colors from, like, multiple colors, all dark, all kind of dark colors and bright colors, then it all becomes kind of white and... Um, by the end, uh, just to yeah. show her progression in her mind. Yeah, I think it's well done. That's another part of screenwriting and filmmaking which uh, usually people skip. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I was writing the summit to direct, I, I could I could put that into the script as well. Yeah, like, that helps because you have mm-hmm. you know what you you are visually seeing it. You know the end product, and that's why when you're writing, it really helps. Yes, and. Uh, Another thing, I wanted to ask something as I kind of forgot. Yeah, what camera did you use for to shoot this? I just out of curiosity. Yeah, we used primarily an, an Alexa Mini, uh-huh. um, which is an amazing camera uh, with. Uh, I think we used some vintage lenses. Um, I, I can't remember now, um, but yeah, it, it, it looks really, really, really cool. And I think though there's one bit that's it didn't make the edit, it's cut out, but we used a smaller camera with like a real cheap lens on it for one part with Dr. Bones. That when they're in the park, when um Jess and her friend is in the they're park. They're talking to each other, yeah. yeah. There was one part where where she was meant to look to the side and Dr. Bones is in the trees and we filmed it. We filmed it. It looks really cool, but we, we cut it out because 
Yeah, it was not there. Uh, yeah, we we didn't. I well, we didn't want to because Sa- Sam Raimi watched it and um and was just like, you don't need Doctor Bones there. And I'm like, okay, cool. So so tell me about your collaboration with Sam Raimi. So Sam Raimi to the audience who don't know who it is, just he is the master of uh, horror, if you can call him that, yeah. because he has created the Evil Dead series. He's the director of the series. He's mm-hmm. made the gift, I, I guess. Yes, the gift. The gift drag me was to hell. it. Drag me to hell. The, the, sp- the first the, Spider-Man movies. Yeah. Spider-Man, uh, French, the first one, yeah, the Tobey Maguire one. So yeah, the best one. Yeah, people don't agree these days, but that was the best Spider-Man fr- trilogy. Even yeah. the third part was good. I didn't really, I didn't think it sucked, but a lot of people it didn't say it suck. Sucked. Yeah, but it wasn't amazing. And then looked Doctor Strange two recently. Yeah, um, Multiverse of Madness. Correct. Yes, that looked like a horror movie. It was a horror movie. It was an Evil Dead movie to me, yeah. yeah. And I watched it in the theaters and I was like, oh God, this is a horror movie. Yeah, it is. It really is. So he got got away with making a Marvel horror movie, which which was great. (laughs) So it was a refreshing change because kind of we were, you know, anyway, I'm not going to get into that. So (laughs) tell me something about about your uh, collaboration with someone of the stature of uh, Sam Raimi. Yeah. Um, What was the influence of his works on you? Yeah, well, you know, Sam was my favorite director um, since I was a kid. As soon as I watched Evil Dead 2, I was like, okay, yeah, this is this is pretty much what I want to do. And just the way he made the film with his friends, like he just went to the woods with his friends, maxed out his credit cards. That's kind of what I've been doing for years, um, just making films with my friends and, you know, maxing out credit cards. Um, so, you know, he, he was a big influence growing up and then um, got to know him because we were working on a project pre-pandemic with him, which I don't think is going to happen anymore, that particular project. But then, you know, stayed in touch a little bit. And then um, when I was doing this Netflix thing, they they wanted to appoint me with, with a mentor. And I was like, I could just ask Sam to mentor me. And so Sam agreed. And uh, yeah, so he mentored me through this whole process um with the writing with the with the you know production and also with with all the edit and and the post stuff he helped with that and, you know we we've we've just become pals we've um we we have the same references like we have the same sense of humor he he has a pretty um childish sense of humor and so do i so it's quite funny and then i just worked with his daughter on on something as well um so yeah i had to talk to him um um, about that too, and yeah, he's he, he's he's amazing and a, a big influence. And we have a couple of things we're working on together as well, uh, me and Sam. So um, one of them would be a feature-length version of, of Flashback. Um, so I've got a meeting about that tomorrow, no Monday, um, and then there's another film that we want to do. I've actually already written it, and it's another time travel movie. Weirdly. Um, but it's a time travel movie that I believe will be as big as Titanic, as the film Titanic. It's massive. It's commercial. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see. It'll, it'll be if we get to make that one, it'll be it'll be a big one. So finally, the last question for this particular episode: What's going to come out first, the feature film adaptation of Flashback or mm-hmm. the big Titanic horror? <laughs> um, Good question. I actually think there's another film that I'm doing with a with a company that will come out first. Um, okay. With a, a very popular company, I think. 
but I would like Flashback to be the first film, really. I think that would be really cool because um, I have that story fresh in my mind. It would be good to do Flashback. Um, it's a very British story as well, so I'd like to represent the UK. Um, yeah, but I'm just I'm just excited to explore the world. You've covered all the uh, major races in that but in that particular short film. Mm-hmm. You've got an yeah. Indian character. You've got a. I try. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, it's because you know, you know, if you see some British films, it is uh, all very white. If you look at the if, like Notting Hill and things like that, uh, and Four Weddings and a Funeral, it's not very diverse. And London is one of the most diverse cities in the world. Absolutely, so it, it, yeah. it makes me angry when I see that. It's like that isn't what I see every day. So you know, in in flashback, I just put what I see every day, and it's a diverse London with. It's you know, very diverse. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what uh, Netflix has um, has done. If you look at something like a sex education, it's so mm. diverse. Yeah, it's, it's very popular in India as well. A lot of people, nice. everybody that's has excellent. watched it. So, yes. yeah, it's very diverse. So, it's I think that's a good thing, and it's good to see a lot of things happening to different kinds of people in different parts of the world. Otherwise, exactly. in the, just twenty years back, it was like the aliens would always choose to attack the White House. So, yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it was great having you here, uh, Jed. Thank uh, you. Once again, all the best for flashback and the feature adaptation and all the other projects that you're working on. And uh, happy Halloween! Happy Halloween! Thanks for tuning into this Halloween special episode of the Story World, and I hope you guys have learned something new, well-versed person in the genre of horror. And in case you have any queries, you can always find. Jed online and you can always drop a question for me as well you can find me at the hari kumar on instagram twitter and threads so yeah happy halloween and happy writing <laughs>